The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You are now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, health heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with a little introductory video to this episode of the Health Hero Show. Um, I just interviewed Christopher Peters um, for episode 88. You're about to hear his crazy, crazy story. And I just want to put a little warning here for, for, for parents that um, he drops a lot of F-bombs and there's some explicit material in this show. So just, I mean, I know that's what we're set up for. You know, it's it's not like a G-rated podcast, but, you know, I try to keep it fairly clean. There's a few S-H-I-T words and, and that kind of stuff every once in a while from the guests. But for the most part, this one's just a little heavier. So I'm just giving you a warning. So I hope you enjoy episode 88 with Christopher Peters and his crazy story of addictions of addiction and angels. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I've got Christopher Peters. He was actually referred to me um, by another gentleman, Michael Stein, who had me on his podcast. He's like, man, I got to get you on the phone. Or I got to get Christopher over to you and get him on your show. Because um, we were, uh, Michael and I were talking about, you know, kind of guys and and the society and the conditioning and, you know, how guys are supposed to be all tough. And, and um, that kind of led into more of a spiritual talk. And, um, and then your, your name came up, Christopher. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's amazing to be with you and a huge gift. I appreciate the time to be with you. Yeah. So we're going to hold, hold, hold your hats because we're going to blow you. I mean, you're going to be blown away with um, some of the stuff Christopher is going to share in his journey. Um, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. We're going to be talking about our spiritual practice as men. We're going to be talking about UFOs. We're going to be talking about God and angels and, and, um, and Christopher's transition into his spiritual practice. But Christopher, let's go back first to like, you know, what's your, who are you, what's your history? And, you know, kind of talk about your dad. It's, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm 53 years old. How am I? Yeah. 53. I was born in 1968. My, uh, my dad's John Peters. He was a hairdresser when I was born and then became a film producer, got together with Barbara Streisand. My mom, my mom, mom is Leslie Ann Warren, who's an actress. So my dad and mom were, you know, married, uh, got together in the late sixties. I was born in 68. Um, it was a, a violent union, you know, they were, my mom is a sweet, beautiful Jewish girl, actress, ballerina from New York City. Um, and my dad was just a wild kind of Cherokee Indian Italian lunatic from the valley, you know, sort of a violent upbringing. <laughs> and that's literally his, you know, his parents were that, but he had, there was a lot of that intensity. And uh, he was kind of a street kid that, that, uh, that sort of like, came up out of juvenile hall and all these different things and a violent and his father dying and our our family on that side was in the hair business the paganos and they were kind of had like a little mini like sort of like empire not really an empire but like they were successful hairdressers in the 60s and 70s in the valley so my dad sort of 
was influenced that way. And, you know, after being kicked out of all the schools, going in and out of jail, became a hairdresser, became successful. My mom and I, him got together, like I said, in the late 60s, uh, you know, late 60s, early 70s. And I was born in 68. They stayed together for about five years. And my dad during that time was had a shop in Beverly Hills and a shop in the Valley. And if you've ever seen the movie Shampoo, if anybody in your audience knows the movie with Warren Beatty, Shampoo is kind of modeled off my dad and maybe one or two other guys, Gene Shacob and a couple of the hairdressers. But my dad was this, like I said, this lunatic, wild guy, like, you know, bikini underpants with a vel- like a vest riding a chopper with a fucking like, you know, cowboy hat in the 70s, all up through the valley, like fucking like, you know, famous wives of this person and that person cutting their hair during the day. And so he was this kind of like crazy person. During that time, though, he was also getting sort of successful for doing like wigs for big films, et cetera. And so one day he gets a call from, I think it was Warner Brothers that Barbara Streisand had, was doing Hello Dolly and needed a wig. And so my dad got the call because he was basically doing that stuff and known for that. And so, you know, uh, my mom and him had been together, I think, for five or six years at that point. And so my dad, you know, goes up basically to meet with Barbara. And and that was the, the beginning of their journey together, the end of our family, my mom and dad. And and uh, the beginning of that relationship with Barbara and my dad, you know, she basically that day, you know, he was waiting for around one o'clock in the afternoon, you know, he was supposed to meet at one and she was like 45 minutes late, you know, and he's about to leave and she's walking down the stairs like, where are you going? And, and he was like, you know, you fucking made me wait an hour. I'm not going to fucking wait for, you know, they had this kind of explosive thing. I think she fell in love because everybody used to just basically kiss her ass and not treat her like a human being. So the fact that he, even though his, in his violence, it was inappropriate and totally, there was something honest about it. And so mm-hmm. she fell in love with him and he fell in love with her. And that was sort of the beginning of his journey. My dad was always terrorized by his upbringing and the violence and the loss. And I think he was this sweet little boy. And then his father died of a heart attack um, and his father, my father, Jack, was the only sort of saving grace in my dad's life when he was young. So I think there was this really beautiful child there that, that, that was just desperately in love with his father. And then when that went so violently, did something to him. And so the money was the, his, 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 his exit, you know, and, and it was at all costs uh higher you know higher ground he needed to make that dough that cash and so whatever opened up for him and so when the thing with barbara came around i think that they honestly fell in love but i also think that he's a strategist and i i think it was a combination of things but who knows you know who know who 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 can quantify exactly the ingredients uh and and parse out what is organic authentic love versus who knows what Uh, but they got together and actually, it was probably the best thing that happened for my mom and I, because it was a violent uh, upbringing. My dad was very violent. My mom wasn't. And so him leaving brought some peace to my life in a way, because at least I had a sanctuary as a little boy now to not be around that intensity and not, not be tiptoeing around when is the nuclear bomb going to go off? When am I going to get my ass fucking handed to me? Uh, when is he going to love me? You know, I, you know, so 
it was this dance that I was going through. So he got together with Barbara and they, they kind of, and he was on his best behavior, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, even though he, they, they met through a fight and, uh, you know, my dad was always a super bright guy and he became Barbara's manager, you know, and he uh, he saw what the the world that she was in. You know, she was the biggest star in the world or one of them during that time, certainly iconic, legendary singer. Uh, he also was had it. My dad had a great vision and still does one of the you know, there's many things he's not good at. But one of the things he's really great at is seeing long-term big picture and looking at a person, looking at a situation and getting a snapshot instantaneously of what that is 20 years down the road, what it can become. And I inherited a little bit of that from him. Obviously I have nothing, nowhere near his success or any of that stuff, but just interpersonally with people, I absolutely have that a thousand percent. Um, but money was never my focus. It never really, I, I wish it was more, but it wasn't. So he became her manager and he also understood that Barbara could be iconic in the pop culture and she was kind of like an old person star at that time, even though she was a young woman, she was like in Hello Dolly and doing Broadway and so she was, it was that kind of audience. So my dad saw what was emerging, disco, certain kinds of rock and roll, Kiss, this kind of stuff, uh, Donna Summer, the Bee Gees, all of these kind of great bands and things that were sort of emerging as this sort of cutting edge new stuff. And he thought, oh, okay, Barbara can fit in that. If I cut her hair, I give her a perm, that was my dad. She had straight blonde hair. He's like, okay, I'm gonna cut her hair. I'm gonna give her this kind of like, uh, you know, perm sort of like Afro type of haircut. Um, I'm going to give her like these little short shorts or so a little bit of her ass hangs out because she had this great ass and, uh, and she did. I mean, even though I'm, she was my stepmom, she did have a great butt and she was beautiful and she is beautiful, you know? And so he saw this and he thought, okay, if I get her together with the Bee Gees and with this person and Donna Summer. And so he sort of was started to kind of bring her in that direction. And part of that direction was stars born with, uh, Chris Christopherson and they, and he talked her into doing the script and they decided to produce it again. And that was the beginning of his journey into film, you know, and they did that movie and then they did main event. And, and then my dad basically now had his feet under him in the film world and that respect. Plus Barbara was the biggest star in the world. So he could basically say, and he did say to Warner Brothers, sorry, I'm sitting in the car because my wife is using our office today. She's home from work. Um, my dad did say at Warner Brothers to that time, hey, you ever want to make a movie with Barbara Streisand again? I need a producing deal at the studio and I want this and I want that. And he was able to basically crowbar Warner Brothers into doing what he wanted. And he used that leverage to get exactly that. And then he had his own producing deal from there. So he started doing Eyes of Laura Mars and, and all these different movies. And he became successful and he started to not need Barbara in that way. And they start, you know, and they were together for many, many years after that. Um, but it started to, that wedge started to kind of widen, you know, um, and they loved each other. And I think that he wanted to marry her, but I don't think she wanted to marry him. I know she didn't because obviously she didn't marry him, but, um, I think she, you know, wanted somebody who was not violent and crazy, um, you know, because he was that in some ways, uh, and, and also was the most wondrous, charming person as well. So he did that, was successful. He, he at, at, in the middle of the 70s, he, he ran into a guy named Neil Bogart, 
who used to own Casablanca Records, who was the manager for Kiss and all these different bands down the summer and all these play people and had this record company. And Peter Goober also was his partner. Peter had done, Peter's a very successful producer. I think he had done, shit, I think he was the head of Sony at some point. No, he wasn't the head yet, but he was at Columbia and he was on his way up. Anyways, they all became partners. Uh, Neil Bohr, God, God rest his soul, passed away because uh, he was had issues, you know, beautiful family. Uh, and then my dad and Peter got together and they basically just started hitting home runs together. Color Purple, Rain Man, uh, Caddyshack, all these different movies that they did. I remember, and they did that. I remember Caddyshack. Yeah. Dude, that was freaking hilarious. It's a yeah. That hey, was let me drive, movie. and he, he takes the boat. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great man. That was a great movie so because funny. all of yeah, it was so funny. And all of those guys, they, those great comedians like Ted Knight and Bill Murray, and all they were all just so like wild and loaded and drinking and crazy. It was like the not that that's a good thing. I'm not glorifying that, but right. it was just who they were on camera was who they were, and it was just this like. Like capturing lightning in a bottle, this chaos that was just hilarious. I mean, yeah, that was a really funny movie. Um, so, you, so your dad, yeah. your dad ends up having this like, you know, he has his own entertainment company, and then you said yeah. that Sony Records or Sony Film bought him out, and then yeah. And so then what happened was yeah. So they got they Peter and my dad got super successful, and they became literally probably maybe number one or two number or top two producers in Hollywood for many, many years. And Sony uh, from uh, Japan basically was like, we want to buy, uh, we want to get somebody to run the Sony International film, you know, worldwide. And they were looking at def different people and they looked at my dad and Peter and they thought, okay, these guys are perfect. The only problem is that Warner Brothers had a big contract with them. And so Sony was like, fuck it, we're going to buy them out of the contract. I think they spent... I mean, I think it was hundreds of millions of dollars to buy my dad and Peter out of the deal and 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 pay Warner Brothers. And it was just huge. There's a book about my dad and Peter called Hit and Run and how it's it's basically it's it's basically Hit and Run is like how John Peters and Peter Gruber took Sony for a ride. It's basically how my dad and Peter cooked the books and and how they just basically you know, uh, made a lot of money, you know, and maybe didn't do it the most, you know, like uh, traditional way. But that's what happened is Sony bought them out of the deal at Warner Brothers, put them ahead of Sony Pictures, and they ran that for a couple of years. And then my, basically, you know, Sony fired my dad and or Peter got rid of my dad because there were issues. And then he went on to continue in his film work. Anyway, so I, I basically I came up in the in that type of family. I never wanted to be in the film world. I want to be a professional soccer player. Uh, I got on the junior Olympic team, tore all the ligaments in my ankle when I was 18. I was just about to kind of make that next jump. And I basically found drugs and girls and not that I did. I was, you know, I lost my virginity to a hooker when I was 12 years old in Hawaii, which is not something I'm proud of, but it's just what happened. I basically picked, I was, I was, my dad was supposed to take, take me to Hawaii for my, I don't know, birthday or some kind of thing. And he basically, he was famous for like, we're going to go on this amazing trip. It's going to be you and me, son, we're going to do it. And then like two hours before I was like, oh, I got a meeting. Hey, why don't you go with your friends or whatever a day before? So that's what happened. He sent me with my friend, David Anderson, my other friend, Joe, who was an older guy. 
and I was 12 and a half years old, totally over-sexualized because my dad was totally like a woman. Running around, in a, running around in a bikini or a Speedo. And, and fucking hookers and having women, tons of women and sleeping with them. So I was seeing this as a kid and thought it was okay, you know? So I was like, you know, I want to get a hooker, you know? So I basically, there was a thing called Cohio Street in Ho on Honolulu, right behind Waikiki Boulevard. And it was all where all the hookers went. This beautiful blonde with big tits. And I'm not condoning prostitution, by the way. Would, that's not who I am now. Isn't who I am anymore for many, many years. But I was, I was really fucked up in my head as a kid because I admired my father. I loved him. I desperately wanted him to love me. And he was so, and he would just beat the shit out of me and then be super loving or maybe give me a gift, you know, whatever, or then treat me like shit or, you know, totally go out of his way to destroy anything financially that ever happened for me or any business and then, and then be nice and whatever. And so I was just, I, and with all of that, I still loved him, you know, and wanted his love and wanted him to say, good, I love you, son. I'm proud of you. Never got it, you know? And uh, where was I? So I, I basically was a kid filled with all of this, you know, and I had also a pure spirit and I was a good hearted person. And uh, I had my mother who was this very loving, very kind of earthy person. So I wasn't a bad person, you know, I was just fucked up. And, and so I had this wrong ideas of manhood. So anyways, we're in Hawaii, that happens, lost, lose my virginity. Uh, I don't know where I was at, but, uh, but, but yeah, I saw a lot of that stuff in my life. And so and let's what, move, let's I, move yeah. forward. So you, yeah. you know, you, you go through your childhood and then, you know, now you're becoming an adult and right. what did you end up doing in your, in your, in your career? Right. So, so for me, I was, uh, when I was younger, I was a songwriter and I, and I got a couple of record deals. I cut, I, I got some songs and some movies with different artists. I really wanted to do that, but I wasn't able to achieve that in the way that I wanted to. So I sort of let it go. I did that for many years. Um, and then I basically, I was lost for a long time. I started working in Hollywood at different film companies. I was a runner and then I would work my way up to, you know, better position, a better position. And basically what happened was when I was around 23, 24 years old, I discovered these tapes called Gracie in Action tapes, Gracie in Action. It was the Gracie brothers basically beating people up in their gyms, like a home videotape. They had a they had a thing out there, 100 grand to anybody who could come choke them out or beat them up, et cetera. You've probably seen the tapes a thousand times. And I was like, what is this? You know, and then I discovered the UFC and they had done one show, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. My dad and I were always fight fans. I was also in the film world working at Mike Medavoy's company. I was working my way up in the film world when I discovered the whole UFC stuff and they had done one show. I heard that they were out of money. And so I said to my dad, hey, you should check this out. He loved it. I said, they need money. You sh we should go meet them and you should buy the fucking UFC. And this is this business going to be massive. It was back in 1993. So he didn't really get it. He did, but he but he didn't know how big it was, but he went for it. John Milius, uh, the writer for Conan, the Barbarian Apocalypse Now, Big Wednesday, all of these movies was a good friend of him. His the UFC took the octagon from from Conan the Barbarian. That's where it came from. So John Milius was involved in it. So that's how we knew the, the Gracie brothers. So we went down to uh, Orange County to go meet those guys that owned the UFC, Horian Gracie, Hoist Gracie, Art Davey, John Millies, all these people. 
And my dad did his thing. They bought it. They were totally into it. He, they said, great. I think it was a couple million dollars. He, he's like, you know, he got them excited and they were like, let's be partners. So on our way back, this was like my big moment basically to say, you know, to show him that I had some value that I was not only just a punk kid, but I was a kid that had a brain and a consciousness and ideas and loved him and wanted his approval and could make him mm -hmm. money and make us money. It was that opportunity. And I loved the idea of the UFC. And so he did what he normally does was get people super, super excited. And, and then, you know, on our way back, I was really excited. I thought this was the beginning of a new relationship with my dad, success in business, money, all of that and a great thing, UFC. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. And I was crestfallen. I was totally fucking heartbroken. And I'm like, why, why, why did you just do that? Why did you just get everybody excited? He's like, I'm not going to do it. So I was totally broken up and, and heartbroken. And in that, and I basically was quiet for a moment. And I said to him, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go raise a couple million dollars. Now I had never done that in my life. I had no idea how to do that. I didn't know anything. And he's like, you know, you're a fucking punk kid. You couldn't raise two cents. Hold on one second. It's pouring rain. Let me turn the window up. Hold on. Sorry, guys. It's just rain ahead fingers. Okay. So he says, you're a fucking punk kid. You couldn't raise two cents. I was like, fuck you, man. You know, I, in my head. And I thought, no, no, I'm going to do it. So I was quiet, drove home. Um, and I said, I'm going to raise this money no matter what. So basically, long story short is that's exactly what I did. I, I put together a little business plan. I didn't know what I was doing. I asked a shitload of people. It took me about a year, but I was able to put a couple million dollars together for the UFC. And then I, that, that was when I was like 23 years old. And then I became their, part, their competitor, where basically I, I put together another few million dollars. And again, I, here's what I learned about that, you know, is that I knew nothing about raising money. I didn't know anything about business plans. I mean, I literally went to a, a newsstand and bought martial art magazines and cut pictures out and went to Kinko's and put them on a little thing, Xeroxed them, you know, misspelled my pitch. And, you know, there was nothing there, but I had passion and I could see the end result in my mind. I could see myself there doing it. I could see it alive and happening. And that what one of the big lessons I learned about the universe, about us, you know, the first of all, now I know 100% the universe is not just the universe, it's an alive conscious being and many, many individuals that are connected as one infinity, one person involved their conscious alive with us, if we're willing to have this relationship, and we can go on, on that note later. But at that time, I had no idea. So but what I did learn at that time is when you can see the end result, and really live it in your spirit, you're 99% there. The rest of it is just follow through and not giving up and learning as you go. And that's what happened. And so basically I, I, I raised that money, became their competitor, uh, did the first deal with Showtime for, for MMA television. I did a show called World Combat. I was in that world for many years, financing fight shows all around the world. I did K1, I did stuff in Holland and all over the place. And uh, I was in that world for about 12 years. Bigger money came into it. The Fertitta brothers who own station casinos and the people that I was getting to invest in stuff only, you know, they could do 5 million, 10 million, but these guys were billionaires. I thought, I think. And uh, so we got out of, I got out of the business and then I was full time. I was also in the film world the entire time. So I got out of the fight world after 12 years, 12 years uh, and was full time into Hollywood and this consulting company that I started 
Meanwhile, all through that time, I picked up a massive drug addiction to painkillers. And because a lot of the fighters, it was this culture of, you know, going to strip clubs and, and taking drugs and whatever. And, and, and that's what happened. So I, well, Christopher, I, let's do this. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're talk, we'll, we'll talk about, um, we'll yeah. talk about the drug addiction and yeah. how that kind of played out. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. The best part? It is super gentle, and there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with our guest, Christopher Peters, and his crazy story of his life so far. <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to get there. We're going to get to, you know, how he found God and angels. Um, but first yeah. let's go back to this drug addiction. So now you got some money in your pocket. You're kind of like finding yourself, you think. Yeah. yeah so basically, as, as a never, man. I, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I say, you, you, you know, you think you're finding yourself as a man because you're actually doing something. You've, right. you've got some money now and then you're just like, Oh, I, I'm a man now. I'm, I'm making my own way, but there's a lot more right. to being a man than that. What happened for me is a couple of things happened. After I financed the UFC stuff, I, I became their competitor. I did a show called World Combat Championship in North Carolina, Winston-Salem. And it was Henzo Gracie and all these. It was a really cool thing. And I really became good friends with some of the fighters like Eric Paulson and a couple of the people, Sean McCulley, you know, and these different fighters. I, I really love them as friends. And I'm sitting in the audience with my mom, who's not into violence at all, but there to support me. And I'm watching my friend, Eric Paulson, this boxer with bare knuckles, but he's got, but I allowed them to wrap their fists, which was a total mistake. I should not have done that because it made this one or two of these guys into like they had hammers on their hands and I didn't know enough and it happened. And I, and anyways, we had really, you know, you know, Bob Wall and Cecil Peoples, they should have said something, but really it was my fault. So, but I'm watching my friend, Eric Paulson, this fighters got him by this, by his hair. Cause he, I, he had long hair. And Eric is an amazing fighter. I mean, one of the best in a Santo fighter, you know, Jeet Kundo, but really can do this shit, uh, you know, shoot wrestling, all this stuff. And this guy's got him by his hair, his ponytail, and he's fucking just blasting him in the face. And he's got him, and he's just not letting go of his hair. And bam, bam. And I'm seeing Eric's like face blow up and his thing. Eric won the fight at the end. No, did he win? No, it went to a draw. But he's just, and I'm sitting in the audience and I'm watching and I'm, I'm realizing, holy shit, this is all just a manifestation of my dad's shit. And I am heartbroken watching my friend get hurt. And, and, it, and this is not who I am. And, and I couldn't listen to that. I was very disturbed. I was very disturbed. Like, what have I done? What am I? I'm sitting in the audience watching my friend get hurt, watching these people hurt each other for money. And I'm like, what have I fucking done? Look what I've manifested. What have I done? And I didn't listen to that. But I had that voice that's my authentic, real voice there. And I kept going. So anyways, I'm in that world. And that world is about 
strip clubs and and painkillers and opiates and i became a junkie and basically i had an 80 by the end of it i was a working junkie but i became a junkie i was in you know by the end of it i, I had lost my house uh i was taking 80 norco a day which is a lot of pills you know uh, i don't know if you know what norcos are or they were norco 10 so basically like a vi you know like a little bit less than a you know an oxycontin like you know, high and like a little bit below that, very strong. I was in and out of rehabs, lost everything. I wanted to quit. I didn't know how to, you know, I did not, I could not find the door in my consciousness to get out. You know, I was haunted by my life. And, uh, and so basically I had to lose everything after I retired from the fight stuff, I had to lose it all. Uh, and during that time of losing everything, I met my wife, my current wife, I never told her that I was a junkie. Uh, she was a very innocent, bright, strong, hardworking person, uh, beautiful, but like so far removed from the person that I am in this world. She was like, didn't know anything about it. So I could hide this stuff from her. And, you know, that was horrible because she, I should have let her know that she, what she was getting involved with. And so it was tough, you know, so uh, she was with me. I was losing everything i was hiding this huge addiction i was and then you know i started going in and out of rehabs so obviously got it but we stayed together we got stronger as friends um it really tested everything and so finally you know um what happened was is i lost everything and she stepped up and saved us you know and just worked her ass off and like saved enough money at the bottom new house you know we were in our apartment for a little while got us a new house saved up more money, got another house. And then I started, then I got sober, you know, and, and during that time. Wow. That's pretty amazing that she like hung in there and she is she, she's a like stud a champion. Yeah. She's, she's a stud. She's, I, I did got, you guys have, did you guys have kids at that time? No, no. I have a kitty that is my spirit love, but we never had kids. We talked about it a bunch of times, um, but we never did. You know, we never did. Yeah. And I, I'm okay with that, but I feel sad a little bit for her, even though I think she's okay with it too. She seems to be okay. But my, my bit, my better knowing knows that probably not a hundred percent in some ways, you know, um, and well, you, you could still have some kids, man, even if you adopted. I know. Well, listen, I'm with, I'm here, you know, I'm just living day by day. So if that comes my way, <laughs> I'll do it. You know, yeah. the, but the funny thing is now, and for many, many years, I'm the one who takes care of everything, cooks, takes care, rubs the feet, you know, takes care of the beautiful kitty, cleans everything, loves her like my child. You know, I'm so that way. Every, you know, my, my mission in life is I have to protect all life at any, in all possible way. Not that I know I can't, but that is it, period. And to bring people to them. And so basically what happened, and so I'll wrap this up is, so I got sober. I'm, you know, I'm living at basically AA houses, not, don't have any money. Dan, you know, my wife, Danny saves us. And then I get my, started, get my shit together, start my consulting company, start getting off the ground doing that. And we moved into a house in, uh, basically in Granada Hills. And my whole life, I've never been religious, never cracked the Bible. Never, I'm still not religious. 
I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't like religion. It fucking bums. It, it just, it just not into it. Now, it's fine for others. That's fine. I'm not knocking religion. Just for me, I always felt it was just like when anybody started to do that with me, it would just, it felt like my dad was trying to kind of corner me. So I would just run away from it. And that goes with all people who are, um, you know, in that kind of, I just have a real problem with that. You know, I want to, so anyway, so I never was in really, but really, really is awesome. There's many great wisdom, but it never came from that place. Never came from any kind of like a spiritual place, even though I was a spiritual person, meaning, you know, I loved people and, and animals, but I wasn't overly that way. I believe there could be a God. I didn't know if there was. I thought that there probably was ghosts, but I didn't know for sure. But that was the extent of it. There was no looking into shit at all. So what happened basically was we, get, we go to Granada Hills. I'm sober now. My little kitty ween uh, is a wild kitty. She's born uh, wild outside of our house. I, I rescued her. She was the runt of the litter. That was the beginning of teaching me really in a deeper way how to love, you know, and really how to care for that, the spark of life that is the only thing that matters in all of us. We have to only see that always. The life in, in a tree, us, you, me, a bee, no, that is equal in all things. And that was the beginning of me to really kind of look at this little creature in my hand, this little peanut and like rub its little tushy for the poop would come out. And cause it didn't get any of the milk, give her a bottle. You know, it was like a really beautiful time for me from, you know, coming out of the cold of being a fucking zombie on drugs for 17 years, frozen. My spirit was waking and to take care of a life form like that. I went overboard, you know, because it was just like, I wasn't going to let anything happen to this little being. So it was so, like, it was almost like you were so you were you were starved spiritually for 17 years and it was kind of like you just it just started pouring out of you and you couldn't you couldn't control yourself and you just Absolutely. Kinda... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I can totally witness myself going beyond the pale. I I'm very conscious of every sick everything that I do. Not everything because we're not perfect, but I'm aware of all of my dysfunction and still at sometimes can't stop it or my over you know, my, my hypervigilance or doing too much. So what happened was basically when came into my life, it was amazing. One night at that Granada Hills house, I, and I have, I had, I've always had great vision, good ears, no problem, no scars on my body, no nothing. One night I'm at the Granada Hills house. Our house was up on the mountains that was North of Los Angeles. So when you sit out in the backyard, you're looking towards downtown LA and you can see the city, you can see the valley, you can kind of see over. So I'm, one night I'm out there around 11 o'clock and I just noticed this glowing golden light in the sky that's in the, sort of like near the city, but up in the mountain range. And I'm like, geez, that's weird. And I watched it for five or 10 minutes and I thought, wow, that's not moving. It's kind of like, a, that's odd. And I didn't really make a big deal out of it. But I thought, oh, that could be like, maybe that's like a UFO. I didn't really, it was like a big deal. And I went to bed that night and that was it. The next day I wake up and my right ear, I have ringing in my right ear that's not stopping. It's going, Bee! you know, like tinnitus. It's just, just started out of the blue. That starts and doesn't ever go away. It totally drives me crazy. And I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do? This is so strange. Anyways. So my Daniela, my wife comes to me a couple of weeks later and says, hey, I'm, I'm looking at a new house. It's over in near Malibu. Uh, we're going to move. 
I'm okay, right? So, you know, I throw a fit because I hate anything that's changed. I'm like, no, our house is great. We should stay. And she was right. So we get this house, we move, everything's great. Have this new place near Malibu that's kind of in between Malibu, Calabasas. Everything's good. I have a consultant's going, I'm sober. She's good, we're good. A couple of years pass, everything is fine. Um, There is an emptiness in my spirit, you know, because I always felt, in my life, entire, entire life, and I know a lot of us feel this way, like we're meant for something bigger. You know, I don't, I'm not talking fame or this or that. I didn't know what it was, but I always felt like, and I hadn't achieved that. And I thought, okay, you know, I was in this place now, I was like sober. I was very grateful to be sober, to be out of that, to have this beautiful friend as my partner, a home, a kitty. You know, I was very grateful for that. But there was, a, a, there was an emptiness there in my spirit, my heart. I thought, well, maybe I'm never going to get there, you know, and maybe this is, this is the best that it's going to be for me. That's okay. You know, you know, you know what I think is really cool about your story just, just in the right now is that yeah. it's like you, you, you talk about your wife and your kitty in the same tone. Yeah. It's like, it's like your love for this cat was probably like it was one of the first you and your wife and this cat was the first places where you were able to start pouring out all this you know pent-up love that's that's your true nature and it's everybody's true nature you know and you yes. you'd been you'd been all that had been shielded you had this big huge like shell around you of being a man and society and drugs and alcohol and trying to fit into this picture and it's like all that stuff just come crumbling down and then that that light inside of you just it started expanding. And I just think it's really cool because, you know, you're honoring the life of a cat, you know, and a lot of people, they don't really understand that, especially with pets. I mean, they, there's a lot of people, I don't get me wrong. People freaking love their pets. No, right? I understand. But they don't realize a lot of people that maybe the tougher exterior guys and stuff don't realize how much they love that pet until that pet dies. Yeah. I all of a sudden, it's like shit. It's right. like you just, you know, you're losing a just it's like you lost a family member and it's like they're a being. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of bring that to light and honor that because I think it's really cool that you're I, you're you're honoring all life. Yeah, I you I want to echo what you just said because you picked up on something that's a huge thing. This came from them. This that that it that sure it started there. But I feel this way for everything in my, the bees on the ground, the flowers. I weep every day when bees are, I have this healing energy that came from them through this experience, the most amazing pro, and it's not healing energy. It's feeling their actual physicality with you, but there's healing properties from it. I mean, I have had doctors, et cetera, but, but I have that same love for all life, literally the bees like, you know, on the ground that are dying. I pick them up every day, every creature, a bug, a flower, all life is equal. The spark of life given by our creator, our angelic creator family is equal in all life. No life has, man does not have more inherent value than any other life form, although we think that, and it keeps us separate and keeps us in the, it gives us the ability to hurt each other and to destroy and to justify. But the spark of life is how we have to look at everything. And I, fe- and all of this changes came from them and it started exactly where you're talking about. But when I met them and from that point on, 
I'm in love desperately with all life, with the bees, with the lizards. I mean, I have so many stories. Nature is a big part of it. So I can validate that too, because when we first talked, I was in the car heading back home to Eastern Oregon to see my mom and dad on the farm. And my girlfriend, Rebecca was with me and we were talking and you're like, oh my God, hold on a second. My friend's in the road. And I got to, I got to talk to them. And then you went outside and I heard you came back in. It was like, it was a squirrel. Yeah. (laughs) Like, but we literally, the way you talked about the squirrel, we thought it was like your buddy, that it was the neighbor. Yeah. Like that was the frequency and the energy that we picked up from you. And then Rebecca was like, that is so cool. I love that guy. Cause he's like, like the the squirrel was, it's literally his friend. Like it's literally, they are, they, I, I desperately love them. Listen, I, when you, and, I, and I'll tell you, and I'll get into what the whole story because it's important to know how this all started, who they are, w- what is happening, how they are, and then what come this whole nature thing, the animals, how that's a part of the learning process of getting to know them physically, our creator, in the flesh. Not a story, not 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 any of the, but real. Your story but, also uh, reminds reminds me about the Dalai yeah. Lama when they were building buildings. And then he realized when they were excavating for the foundations, they were killing worms. So he said, we can't do this. Right. So he had people by hand going through the dirt very softly and gently getting the worms out and taking care of them. And a lot of people would say that's ridiculous. That's a waste of time. Just forget about the worms, dig it out and get rocking and rolling. But that's, this is the level that we're talking about here that this, as this new light is starting right. from inside of you came out. So anyway, I just want to say that because I thought it was no, really parallel. You made, an, you made another brilliant point and I want to comment on what you just said because I can't not be this way anymore. I wasn't this person before meeting them. I had some elements of it in me, like when I, you know, my little kitty ween and my wife, but it, this wasn't who I was. I am desperately in love with all life, desperately totally beyond the pale i can't not be this way and this is who we all are and when we make those considerations of just fuck the we the worms we might as well throw away our lives because it's that choice is the same as making the choice of annihilating the humanity with these shots or any other the different things that you agree or don't agree with that are beyond the pale or killing you know bombing the skies with chemtrails and poisons and call it and those same people saying that they're the saviors of the planet what happens when you meet your creator and the family of light when you start to have this relationship in the flesh and that is what my journey has been about with them every single day not leaving in my space 24 7 craft beings of light thousands of orbs healing doctors from energy healing that is their physicality scars and triangles that are symbol for god okay so let's 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 break that down because it's like it's what what you just said it's a lot especially for people that are that are are listening like yeah me in the beginning like you know i used to think like everything was woo -woo, and now i'm like oh most of this woo -woo stuff is real but like you have physical proof you so what he's talking about here i want you to talk about your journey and, and how you started Yes. seeing things and, and walk, walk us through all that stuff because yeah. it's 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 hard for a lot of people to swallow totally with the, with the conditioning i get it but i believe it because you just the way your frequency is and what you were telling me i know you're not lying listen and then you sent me yeah. pictures and videos and it's like holy shit like i want to come down and see you and hang out and- yes okay here listen i first of all that is the biggest hurt i took okay so let me just say one thing so when you have this relationship because it doesn't just start from jump street 
part of what comes with it is this love for all life, which is their original, that, that is who they are. They are the creators of all life. And you and our society, our culture, our ways of being family, that's all their culture. That's all of how they feel. So when you take that on, you fall in love with all life. You realize that the worms are equal to you and me. And because that's all you see, you see just life and you fall desperately in love with it and have to preserve it at all costs. That's me. Now, maybe other, so, he, okay, so let me back well, up. Scientific, so, scientifically, you know, the genome project was supposed to show us how awesome we were and our, our human beings and our genes, but they found out after all those millions and billions of dollars and all that research that we have the same amount of genes as the worthworm. I never knew that. I didn't even know that's amazing. Yeah. And then, they had, is, they, then they had to move yeah. on because they thought we had like a million genes and like, well, that's right. the case, maybe a hundred thousand. Well, that's about 20,000, about like that of an earthworm. There you go. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, so this is how it started with me. Uh, you know, I have never been into this shit ever. And anybody who came around me saying that kind of, I'd be like, dude, just stop fucking talking to me about that. Like I wouldn't be rude, but I'd be like, right. okay, all right, whatever. You know, I would love like I like Star Wars and I like Close Encounters. Those are cool movies, you know, but I wasn't like searching shit out. I have this film finance company. I had been doing it for 16 years. I wasn't into ghosts or paranormal or conspiracy or YouTube shit. I did, you know, none of it. I'm just doing the film stuff. I'm married. We're living near Malibu. I'm sober. That's it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm not a billionaire. I'm not like making tons of money. I'm doing okay. I'm blessed and that's it. I'm sober. Thank you. I meet this guy. I see this movie come out from a guy named Dr. Stephen Greer, who's very famous for this subject. He was a very well-known uh, MD doctor and he got, he started creating protocols that every, any person could do where he would call UFOs from the sky through meditation and consciousness in his mind in this, in this process, teaching people out in like the middle of a field at night. And then he would use these like laser pointers to signal them in the sky. And the guy would get unbelievable footage and they would show up, flash you and craft would show up. And all of a sudden on camera got so famous that the Clintons brought him in to the DOD and on met with the heads of all the, like the, the generals and this, and they started like creating this thing together. And he was like, look, I don't want to be co-opted by this whole thing, but he became well-known and, and verified. So he made this movie called Sirius. I think that was the first one. And then the one, second one was, was unacknowledged. I was, I see this movie out of the blue, like three, four years ago, and I'm blown away by it. And I have no idea why. I mean, it's amazing, the proof in it, but there's something more there. So long story short, as I saw the second one, I'm blown away. I show my family, they're like, I don't get it. It's not, you know, it's fine or whatever, but there was something calling me. So I, I got a hold of the Stephen Greer guy because he's been like, death threats on his life, like people in his crew have been killed, like really crazy shit. So I'm thinking this guy's story could be a great reality show. I mean, this guy's real. He's getting craft. He's a, he has proof. He has, you know, he has proof from military, ex-military, ex-heads of state, all of these people on camera with him and craft and all this stuff. So I, 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 I reached out to him. He got excited, you know, but he's like, I don't think it's ever going to happen. We almost got a deal. Um, and then it, and then it falls away. But the reason why I'm telling you this is there's a protocol that he does, which basically you see, you stand in at that night, you, you look up at the sky, you close your eyes, you see yourself in space, 
you kind of call out to the, the beings of light that are there, the craft, whatever, and then you kind of visualize earth, like your, your, your country, your, your state, your town, your street, your house, where you are in your mind, you show them, and then you open your eyes and you do the laser pointer, one, two, three in the sky, and then you see what happens. And he gets a lot of response. So after I meet him, after it falls apart and he's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. It's a couple of years later. I, I forget about the whole UFO thing. It's a September day, clear skies. I'm working outside. I'm getting trash cans delivered from the city. And, and, and there's no UFO. There's no nothing. No, nothing's going on in my mind. That, that was years before. I'm not pursuing any of those things. Never had experience. So we get the trash cans. It's a clear day. I walk outside to go get the trash cans. I'm picking the trash can, walking up the driveway. I'm slowly walking up the driveway and I look up in the sky and there in the sky, maybe a couple hundred feet is some kind of object that I have no idea what it is. It's the size of a small plane. It's not a drone. It's not a helicopter. There's no sound. It looks like a walnut shape like it's got a body and then sort of like a walnut, that sort of what a top of a walnut and two big pieces of metal on the front of it in an X pattern on the front. And I'm looking at this thing is directly above our house, maybe a couple hundred feet in the air. There's zero sound just sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, I'm looking at this room, <laughs> looking at thing five minutes, 10 minutes. I'm looking and I see the sun on the back of it glinting where, you know, as sun hits metal, it makes that and then the front of it is darker because it's not. And I, I'm like, OK, I know that's happening because I can see the sunlight. I'm tracking everything. No, I'm like, holy shit. After 10 minutes, that's a fucking UFO. A thing explodes in golden light, explodes in gold. I'm like, whoa, in my head. I'm like, what the? And every time I'm like, holy shit, you're a UFO. It starts pulsing, doing this plasma golden images of look like hieroglyphic sort of different things. I watch this thing for 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm like, holy shit. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I got to get back to work. Wait a minute, I can't leave. Like, how do you leave a moment like this? Second, I thought that it starts to slowly drift away in the sky, higher and higher, 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 because it's gone. So that I'm like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? What I just saw a fucking UFO. Holy shit. I'm like, that's that fucking just happened. Oh my God. Like, you know, oh, what do I do? Who do I talk to? I'm like, okay, my mom, my mom, my mom, my mom, <laughs> my, she's, a, she's my spiritual rock. She's in program for 25 years. You know, she she's has probably all like, sponsors. are you using again? <laughs> That's exactly what she fucking said. I call her on the phone. I'm like, mom, you won't fucking believe what just happened. I'm, I, I, I'm walking, I'm getting our trash. Yeah, I look up in the sky, there's a fucking UFO and it does, it's golden, it's doing this thing. Dead fucking silence. And I'm like, and this was not the reaction. Cause what, again, like I said before, I'm pretty good judge of people and I can pretty, one thing, I'm not good at many things, but what I am good at is understanding who a person is, their energy, their responses, what's coming. So I thought my mom was going to be like excited, but you know, you guessed it. So she basically was, I was silent. And she's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Are you on drugs again? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I just, I'm telling you this amazing thing just happened. She's, she's like, gets angry and like upset and worried. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. In my head, I'm like, this is not going to happen. You know, I'm, it's, this conversation is just really totally off the charts for whatever reason. I'm going to calm her down and I'm going to just say, hey, you know what? You're probably right. I, I didn't see that. Whatever it is, I'm sure everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Get off the phone. I'm really crestfallen. I'm thought, this is 
something real that just happened that is profound. I don't know what that is or what's going on, but I wanted to share it with somebody and have that moment. Didn't happen. Say to my wife that night, same thing, has the same response. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So that was that day. The following day, I go out and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to try again that night to see if something can happen second night. So I go by this laser pointer, you know, where it shoots a laser in the sky. And this is the thing that Stephen Greer does in the movie, which I had remembered. And I thought, oh, I'm going to try that, where you basically, you get a laser pointer, you go out at night, uh, you know, clear skies, and you do this meditation, this visualization of you in space, you calling out to them saying like, hey, sending love to the beings of light, whoever you are. If there's craft in the area, please come visit me. Here's where I am. There's earth, there's California, there's our state, you know, America, California, state, town, city, street, house. And then you do a laser bump, up, bump, bump. And then, you know, he would get reactions. So I bought this laser pointer with that expectation. Didn't think it would happen, but I was so excited because when something shows up in your life that isn't supposed to exist and it's really there, it, it, it's, um, it's a, a mind-blowing moment. You go into this state also of cognitive, cognitive dissonance where your brain doesn't know what to do. It sort of gets, goes idle because it's desperately seeking your, your, your lifespan to place the image. And when there's nothing, no place where it can understand where to put that, it's a very odd place to be. Um, so that second night, I get the laser pointer. Everybody, I make dinner for everybody. Everybody eats, they get settled for bed. I'm washing the dishes. I start to kind of get this sort of like giddy feeling, almost like I was buying drugs again. Like it's this little secret thing. I'm finished. I'm like the laser pointers in the drawer next to me. I think, okay, everybody's asleep. I'm going to go do this. <laughs> Nothing's going to fucking happen, but I'm going to go do it. So I grab the laser pointer. I go outside. I, our, we have a, a door right on our kitchen that goes out to the side, to the backyard. I go in the backyard. There's a power line that goes from our house to the power pole, eight feet above my head. There's nothing there. I go out in the, in the grass. I'm looking out in the sky, clear skies. I say, okay, I'm going to do the meditation. I see myself in space. You know, I'm sending the love out to everyone. Hopefully, you know, I'm in America. I'm in California, you know, town, street, house, et cetera. I give a laser pointer, put up the sky, boom, boom, boom in the sky. I'm waiting. I'm waiting, nothing. I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, that was, it was, okay, it's not going to happen. You know, uh, I try it one more time, nothing, you know, so I say, fuck it. So I, I, I'm going to go inside. So I start walking. I walk to the house. I'm walking underneath the power line, you know, which we have like a little grass air power line above my head, maybe six, seven feet. And you can basically almost reach out and touch it. I'm almost getting to the brick area, which come off the grass. And I hear, as I go under the power line, I hear, whoo. Woo, woo. I turn around and there on the power looking down at me is probably what looks like to be an owl that's five feet tall, like this massive <laughs> owl. And I'm like, fuck, what the, whoa. You know, I run in the, I run to the door to grab it. And then I turn around and I turn and it's gone. There's nothing there. And I think, okay, I'm going to try this one more time. That was so fucking weird. Five foot owl. It, I, it was massive. It was this massive bird and owl. And, and I had never seen owls before in my life in our area. But this thing was huge. I mean, it wasn't tiny. It was giant. Um, so I go basically and I do it again. I do the, 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 the meditation space, calling them Earth, California, you know, USA, California, town, street, house backyard me pause 
one, two, three. And then before I hit four on the laser pointer, the fucking sky blows up. Bam, bam, bam. Big bit circles of light the size of a plane, you know, maybe a hundred feet over my head. Boom, boom, boom. I scream to my life, wife, Danielle, get your ass here. Come, go, come, 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 come. She runs out. What, what, what's going on? What's going on? She comes in the back. I'm like, look, look. She looks up. This thing, this light goes like that. Boom, boom, boom. Like 10 more times. She freaks the fuck out. I don't know what that is, but it's scary. Man runs to the house. I'm just like, are you fucking kidding? Like, I'm just there. I don't even know what the words are. That was just so what it was. I, I was in, I was super excited, afraid excited uh in wonder and it was like a beginning started to open in me and an awareness that as we when we're babies when we're kids and we have that sense of wonder and mystery Mm -hmm. and anything is possible that was ignited again that feeling that i hadn't felt in many years that's amazing dude so let's take a quick break and we get back i want to finish up the story yeah yeah and, and and um We'll just, we'll just take a break. We'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body Turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? I'm back with Christopher Peters. He's uh, right in the middle of uh, a very exciting story. Um, so you're you're standing outside. Uh, there's flashes of light. Your wife comes yeah. out. She gets the shit scared out of her. She's back in the house, and you're just standing there like a four-year-old looking at Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that, what, what happened next? I They were gone, as far as I knew. Mm-hmm. They did like, you know, five flashes for me, and then I called Danny out there. They did like 10 in a row directly over the house. Big ones, like big perfect circles the size of helicopters. No sound of jet engines, no nothing, but just quiet, just flat, a sky illuminate. And Daniela freaks out, runs in the house. And I'm just there like in the sense of like my body is shaking because my general adrenaline's going, my heart's pounding, but I have this sense of peace, this profound sense of peace, this excitement, this, oh my God, my life. Like, so you, what happened? You go in the yeah. house and talk to her afterwards. What, what was the conversation? Yeah. Like? So I go in, so I go in the house. I try to talk to her about it. She doesn't want to talk about it. She's like, I don't want to fucking talk about that. I don't know what that was, but I don't want to talk about that. that scares me. I don't want to talk. I'm like, how could you not? I didn't say this to her. But I thought I understood exactly 1000%, but I was just, you know, it amazed me at my, the opposite of my reaction, which was how could you not want to know exactly what that is? How could you not want to be totally enmeshed with that a thousand percent and just understand and be there. But I understood where she was coming from. So I just let it be. We watched TV. She went to bed, I rubbed her feet and that was it done. We didn't talk about it. So basically what happened for me is from that day on, they've been in my life 24 seven every day since. And what happened is in the beginning, they were showing up doing with UFOs because they wanted to get my attention. So it would be every single night, you know, as I finished work, you know, I would sit in the driveway, like in my car, listening to some stuff. Uh, I'd get out of the car, 
you know, it would be 7.30 at dusk. Not, sun would start to go down. They would start doing flashes of light for me. And I was doing the laser thing. Then I stopped not having to do that. Basically, I'd be in my car. As soon as I opened the door from my car, I would look up, flap, boom, boom, boom. And then they started doing these things that I would call Tinkerbell lights, where I would be in the driveway uh, and 10 feet over my head, it would be dark and you'd hear. And, and with that sound, you'd see, you know, the wonderful world of Disney when Tinkerbell flies in and there's all this like fairy dust. That's right. what you would see right in front of your face, 10 feet above your head. You'd hear and fairy dust like golden fairy dust like everywhere and then shooting stars from left to right uh six feet above my head uh 10 feet in front of me this electric ball of light that would be you'd see basically nothing you know maybe just you know from 20 feet across and i'm standing in the driveway from nothingness a door would open up from the darkness and you'd hear this you'd see this ball come out and it'd fly across super fast. You'd see a tail on it with, with silver white electric tail, a smell of electricity and a little bit of a burnt thing in the thing. They would do that craft every day. So that was every day, every day, every day, every day, and other things like that and all kinds of different crafts, as well as this military presence, which we don't have to get into that now, but that that's this other thing, crazy shit every day as well. So that started... And I'm like, I got to fucking document this. This is crazy. I mean, like, what is going on? So I had never owned a camera. Even though I was in the film business, I knew nothing about cameras. Never owned a camera, never cared about buying a camera. I just wanted to make deals and whatever. So I bought a, an infrared camera. Uh, my friend Joe, who is in his 80s, taught the Bible at Harvard. You know, very brilliant, smart, smart really compassionate, amazing human being, but not interested in these things at all you know, and not, not, but a good spirit. I brought him over. I'm like, dude. And, and like, you know, because with the craft there, there were started to be, you know, orbs everywhere around me, wherever I would go. And I, as soon as I put the infrared camera, I would, you'd see orbs everywhere, you know, like hundreds of them everywhere. And I brought Joe over and I said, Joe, come here, check this out. And, and, I, and he looked, he's like, what the fuck? What is that? It's like, I've never seen that before. There are orbs everywhere. So all of this started happening. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, and he never came back since. It's like, I kept having these people, I would show them these things and they would never come back because it just freaked them out. But I just couldn't. So what also happened is, so that started happening every single day. I started waking up with scoop marks on each one or on my shins. Um, like I've never had any scars or anything. I started waking up with like on my ankles design circle within circles and circles. So look like little puncture marks. Like if a needle was like, but like a tiny circle, then another big circle, another big, like on my shins, uh, not, not on my shins, on the side of my legs, uh, different designs on my legs. And then I started wait, you know, and then, and, and more craft in that first six months. And then my eyesight changing. And then all of a sudden, you know, the night sky, you know, you look at the night sky and you see stars thousands of miles away. And I'm not kidding. All of a sudden, after a couple of months, and this is something that they changed in me, my consciousness, they put stuff in me, change my physicality, change my eyesight, change my ability in terms of healing, seeing them and more. Now the stars look 20 feet over my head, all of them in the sky, all of them. And they're not real stars. There are real stars, but these are not. These are mini UFOs with little light on them, mimicking starlight, 
I have videos of them doing that. I have videos of me reaching up to what you would think would be stars. And then you see them descending down to my hand, outstretched hand coming down like Orion's belt coming down and then slowly going back up into the sky, stars hovering in my backyard below our power lines, just above our fruit trees. They're here because of the time period we're in, because of where humanity is. They've always been here, but we are in a biblical time period. Again, I'm not religious. I don't care about that stuff. I'm not selling that dogma. I'm not selling any dogma. I never, I didn't need them to be God. I said to them many times, I don't need you to be God. I don't need, you're amazing enough. I just love you, you know? And so what happened was they, in the beginning, it was craft, 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 orbs, orbs, all this kinds of crazy shit that they would do and me filming it and whatever. It was about me getting me used to them being real and catching my attention with that stuff. And then change, then, then they repeat physical lessons um, in terms of consciousness, in terms of how we're connected, in terms of who they are, in terms of what's possible. And it was basically an indoctrination for three years and me catching it on camera. And, and then after a couple years of that, of me, hundreds of videos and pictures and beams of light in the house and changing my eyesight and then triangle. How did your you eyesight know, change? I now can see beyond the light spectrum of normal human vision. I can see them when I look so basically at one point, it was like maybe six months in, the, the, the star thing changed. So now whenever I look at the stars, they're 20 feet over my head, 100 feet over my head. It, it just never changes. That changed a thousand percent. And then it changed even greater, maybe six months. One night I'm in the back bedroom with my kitty Ween and we're looking out the window into our backyard. And I, for my whole life, I had just normal eyesight like anybody else, good eyesight, 20-20 vision or whatever. And all of a sudden I start to see um, in the, sorry, I just got like an apple thing. All of a sudden I'm looking at the backyard and I start to see in the backyard, all of these streaks of light flying by, like look like black streaks of light. And then a couple days later, now they're not black streaks. I'm seeing hundreds of little orbs flying around, hundreds everywhere. And then they're coming through the walls and then these white orbs illuminating the room in my face as they're coming through the walls and thousands, and then, so that was a lesson. And then a few weeks later, more changes to the ice. And now I'm not just seeing thousands of orbs. I'm seeing little sparkle beans everywhere and blue purple energy, you know, and then I started to understand who they were, you know, with them teaching me. And, and then I started to see in every square inch of space down the road when I start to really learn so much that happened, them teaching me that there's no difference between our dream state and our waking state. That's all just an idea of separation sold to us through darkness. That, that because the darkness, the narrators of this physical world, the creators of this physicality in terms of the material world, is not them. That is by design from darkness. That's not to say money and doing things that are positive or bad. They're not. But but the core ideas of these things are to keep us in a box that's thinking you're there, I'm here, uh, we have no connection to each other or nature, whatever this, the true fact is we're interlaced by an alive physicality that is our creator, angelic creator, by millions of, of little angel gods that are separate individuals with families and feelings that are in every square inch of space that look like blue purple orbs that also can extend out as columns of light from the ground to sky 
I have hundreds of videos of them doing that. And then from that illuminating through mist and light energy into angels with outstretched wings, you know, all of that. So God, angel creator, that's who they are, one and the same. And so when they change my eyesight yet again, after seeing beings of light, and now I'm seeing spirit in the house, physicality with my eyes. Now I'm seeing in every square inch of space, wherever I look, with you, with me, any space outside, thousands and thousands and millions in every square inch of space of air, blue, purple lights, orbs that have a little like yellow golden light inside of them in all, that is who they are. They're, each one of those is an angel creator God. So they're one sentient being as God and also separate individuals. And their, and their, their domain is all life. You made, a, you made a reference to Star Wars earlier. It was almost like the midichlorians. <laughs> which which about, one? You know, Star Wars. You know, everybody likes. I know Star Wars, like, but what? Which? What the, would, the, what did the, I say? Like the the mid the midichlorians, right? The, I think that's the name of it. That was like what they was would, that? They, they would test the level of somebody that was like a Jedi, and then the amount of midichlorians that were in inside of them was the amount of like power that they had, or whatever. Oh, gotcha. So there was like it was kind of like a parallel there with like the little yeah. beings and there's millions of them and then you know it's like yeah there's, there's life everywhere there's energy anywhere and it's almost it's almost like you're like neo in the matrix like all of a sudden you just you got shot in the that's chest exactly and you came out I'm and all of a sudden you, you you see everything differently now and it's like you see that yes. you're looking at the connections and like everything's all well that's exactly what happened i'm not saying i'm neo and i'm some savior of the world <laughs> i'm just saying but that's exactly what happened and they are god they are the alpha and the omega and so what i'm telling you is Yes, they can be. I have pictures of them as traditional angels with big outstretched wings and bodies and faces and arms, you know, and that they create through this mist energy and then illuminate it with light and, and, and aliveness. But they're all but they're beings of light and they are real and they are in every square inch of space in this world and beyond as millions of angel creator god and one sentient being at the same time separate individuals and then one sentient being that we call god and they are the creators of when i say all life they say most like i'll just say are you the creators most <laughs> like in my head i talk to them 24 7 i know it sounds crazy but it's not it's they're real so let me just say again yeah yeah go ahead. that is who they are and 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 what they told me after I learned all of this, it was a couple of years, I started seeing them and taking pictures and, and then I having scars on my body from them, triangles, big one and a small one with a dash at the tip and then, know, then finding that that's a biblical sign for God and then the parallel line scars on my body that showed up with boxes inside, which are another insignia for dimension. They're, they're the architects of all dimension most and on life. Then they started doing the same symbols that were carved in my body when I wake up one morning from one morning to next, not having started. Now I have these symbols. Then they would do those same symbols that night in the sky, two feet above the roof in illuminated mist on camera, on video. Then they would show up on camera, on video with me, turning the camera so you can see me on camera. Then they appear on camera, mist swirling around me, faces. You know, that they're real. And we are in a time period that is about the annihilation of all life if we don't reach out to them. And it and doesn't have to be in my way. It doesn't have to be in a religious way. But humanity, what they told me before the whole coronavirus, 
I started making videos seven months before any of it saying from them, a war is coming in the battlefield of humanity's consciousness, a war over choice, a war th about over through perception, through isolation, through technology over one choice. Do we choose this natural creator family and all that comes from them and stand up for them in our lives, for family, for freedom, against critical race theory, tyranny, all of these different things, however we do it, talking to a neighbor, writing a book, doing a podcast, whatever. Or do we take this, these vaccines, the, the, all of this tyranny, all of this inversion, demonizing another race to, and calling that equality, lifting up another race, you know, this, this the annihilation of all gender, which creates zero gender, which is an attack on God. I'm not saying people can't be who they want to be, be that but to annihilate and to go after, you know, these cultures, these, these good things that come from goodness and, 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 and annihilate them as, as bad, not allowing room for all things. You know, if we are part of the, these things, humanity is coming down to this time where we're, we have to now make two sides. What are we standing for? Because, the world has forgotten that God is real. The world has created dogma through religion and then enshrined that as God and then worship that. That is not what they support and who they are. There was a time that humanity knew God was real and all the family of light. I'm not talking religion. Fuck that. There was a time we had awe and love and respect for the creators of all life that we basked in their, in their glory, the beauty of all life, that we knew what that precious gift was. We all made an agreement when we came into this world to stand up for them, for the gift of this world of life. They said to us, to each one of us, what time is gonna come, we're gonna call on you to stand up for us and everything that comes from the family of life. For this gift of life, you, th this is all we ask of you. That is the judgment that is here now. People can write that shit off as, as bullshit and me making shit up and it's uh, this and that because I used to do that. And it's not religion. Fuck religion. I'm not saying fuck religion. I bless religion. People who love religion. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for me, I'm not selling religion. I know they're real. The only well, it, thing it's, I it, talk, it, it, let me it, just say, the okay, only yeah, thing yeah. I talk about is what I live daily with them physically. And I ask and prove and prove it for that's all. Sorry, go ahead. And you have it all documented, which is cool. So yeah, it's, you know, to, <clears throat> you were talking about, you know, things are going to go bad, you know, the end They're of already humanity and all this stuff. I mean, <clears throat> if we just look at some basic, simple things that are happening, number one, the amount of pollution in the world today, pollution is, is, is so bad. So many, there's like three uh, hundreds of thousands of people are dying of poor air quality every year where there's no there's no talk about that there are beaches in mexico I, everybody listening if you haven't seen the the documentary tapped t-a-p-p-e-d tapped you can see that there's beaches down in mexico that are half sand half plastic sand it's unbelievable like you'd see a beautiful sand beach but now it's plastic little pieces of plastic that are broken up that are blue and white and red and yellow just these various colors it's like crazy and those plastics are off-gassing 24-7, these little estrogen mimickers, right, that disrupt our hormones and the hormones of all sea life and all creatures. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch, right, 
the Exxon Valdez, you know, these oil, I mean, all these things that are happening all over the place, the pollution, that's where the real um, problem is. If we don't solve that, I mean, it's like, and then the aluminum toxicity, my God, it's like the biologists, there's plants that are dying now of aluminum toxicity. Where's that coming from? You mentioned chemtrails earlier. So the reality is, is that, and then there's also that major division created by elites, as they want to call themselves, that, whatever we want to call them. There's, I wouldn't call them elites. I would just call Bingo. them, I would call them, uh, uh, I don't know, deranged folks is what they are. I mean, they're just, totally. they're, they're, they're mis- um, Transhumanists. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they, it's the human 2.0. And that's why they're putting all the genetic stuff in the shots. And it's like, they're going yeah. full force. And people think like, no, this is, this has been, this has been planned for decades. This is the, the, we're seeing the end of the process. This isn't right. like just like thrown on us, you know, and then, and then the power profits control all this stuff. So the reality is, is when you say, you said the family of life, I think nature, right? right. So, so, so for people of like some of these words, I just want to, to clear up of Christopher's and maybe give a different point of view. I'm hearing like, sure. when you say God, you're talking about you, me, everybody, the worms, the squirrels, everything. We are all God. We are all independent here with our, our projection from our higher mind, but the higher mind is a consciousness that we're all energy. And because we are created, uh, creation doesn't make mistakes. And because we exist by definition, we can never not exist. We might take a, a different form, well, there is act. I'm also I'm saying all of that, but there is also an actual. They are actually God, as well. I'm saying everything that you're saying. I'm agreeing with you, but they are actually there is an actual Creator God family, which is what I'm talking about, and everything that you're saying. And I know these words are loaded for people, and you're you're unpacking them so people don't get freaked out or turn off. But it's important that they get freaked out and 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 and, ex and start to wake excited. up yeah in a good way and think about all the films and stuff that were made most of them besides like et and a few of them are designed to scare the shit out of you and make you think that aliens are going to come here and wipe us the f out that's what so fear 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 we've been programmed since kids that yeah. the aliens are going to come down and just eat us and kill us and, and yes and, and i have, went through that the movie v you know when the baby's born the tongue comes out you know and it's yeah. just like you know and all know. All, all, all that kind of stuff like when i was a kid right so we yeah. have to understand it's a think about the social programming. This has been going on 24 seven Hollywood that you've been a part of has been a big part of the problem. Yes. Huge. You know, the Hollywood and the pedophilia and all the stuff that's going on with what you yeah. have to do to move your way up the ranks in Hollywood and yeah. all these actors now coming out and a lot yeah. of them probably still not coming out because they, they can't, or they won't have any work. You know, the thing is, is that you're totally a thousand percent right. Everything that you're saying, and you're saying it in a much better, more articulate way than I am. And I understand how, first of all, I understand how, how, how everything, they do it by design where everything is they disconnected and, and, and beyond the pale and demonized so that it's like the second you hear these different sort of topics or words that people say, the people turn off because, because they, they want it to be that way. You know, they want people to be overwhelmed in terms of thinking of any of this mm -hmm. thing as possible or reality so that they just shut down and keep their head down. But the truth is, is that what I'm telling you is true. What, what you're saying is true. There is an attack on all life. And, 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 and what we need to do is put all of our separate, our, 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 our stuff aside, you know, and come together as, as people 
and really try to see a bigger picture together. I know that's a you know, silly thing. People say, ah, come together, hippie, whatever. But honestly, now we, ha- we don't have another shot at this if we don't do that and put all of our stuff aside and try to lift each other up and see the spark of life in each other and see, you know, yes, the earth needs to be healed, but, but, but what they've done is they've weaponized climate. These people, the same people that are saying that these, the earth needs to be healed and all these different things, not you, but I'm saying these other people, they're, they're the ones creating GMO seeds. They're the ones spraying the skies. They're the ones, you know, killing the planet, you know, and keeping it in this state, you know, so yes, we need to come together and heal, but we need to do it together and, and, and with a, you know, a spirit of love and connection for each other and well, maybe realization there's something more. Maybe it's a reason why I have my truth, freedom and health shirt on today, because that's what we're doing. We have a worldwide working class movement. We're working class people every day. People like myself and you are coming yeah. together in a platform where we can get educated, learn system science and, and, and basically come together. And then we have our weapons depot, which is what we're doing, boots on the ground, like handing out cards. And we have manifestos. I love little, that. Little black and white flyers we can hand out. We bring people in the group. We train you. We, If you want to be a warrior, that's great. Warrior scholar, we call them. And then cool. if you want to go into leadership training and train other warrior scholars, like it's a, it's a program. We are also developing. We have a whole school, school alternative school system. So you can I love that by the, by the time you're 14, imagine you're going to learn system science. And one of the wow. top, top people who just passed away from MIT said that we should be teaching system science to to kindergarten. I don't even know what that is. That sounds amazing. I, I have an idea what you're saying, but that's well, incredible. system science is basically just um, it's basically like taking an engineer's standpoint to everything. I love like, it. Like when an engineer builds a plane, they can't make a mistake or people die. Right. Right. It's it's kind of like what we talk about is the space shuttle Challenger. Remember that thing went up and exploded. Totally. And yeah. Died? yeah. Yeah. Well, two of the main engineers on that program said, "Hey, everything checks out except there's this one valve, and we've never tested it in these cold launching conditions. So until we do, I can't sign off on it. I can't. Right. Can't do it." And they said, "Ah, they they were chastised, and guess what? Boom. Guess what? Oh failed." God. That valve wow. failed because of the because of the cold weather, and those astronauts were killed. So, an engi- from an engineering standpoint and system science, there's very few actually. There's maybe five, maybe eight thousand people in the world that understand it, and these so-called elites are using these system scientists to create systems to right. divide and conquer us. Basically, there you, you go. Know, left totally. versus right, black versus white, vax Absolutely. versus anti-vax, um, versus a- anti-max. All these things. But the reality yeah. is, if we take all these fake problems and fake solutions. And we look at the dialectic instead of, let's say, let's say you don't want to get vaccined and you don't want to wear a mask and I want to get vaccined and I want to wear a mask. We're both doing it for the same reason. We both believe in health. Right. Period. And right. so that boils down. There's, there's a common ground there is we both believe in public health. You want right. to be healthy. I want to be healthy. You want children to be happy. I want children to be happy. I want you to be happy. You want me to right. be healthy. We want our right. communities to be healthy. We want the world to be healthy. That's just, we're decent people, but we have different belief systems. But yeah. the reality is, is that both of us want to be healthy and we believe in public health. Well, yeah. if we look at public health, because we can now agree on that, what's the number one common denominator to make good public health? Well, in this time-space reality, it's infrastructure. We yeah. need clean water and, and clean food and these are parts, if we don't have that, our health suffers. And we can, I mean, and it's yeah. so simple. 
right? That's so what he, they're attacking. They're collapsing our society. I mean, all around us, these lockdowns are, I'm sure you've talked about by design, you know, connected to the whole thing. These are the things that are killing all these millions and millions of people in addition to the shots, but millions of of people have already died. Think about it. Third world countries, millions of people have already started 20 to 30 million people have already starved to death from supply chain delays. Yeah. Beyond any of their expectations. 20 20 to 30 million over. I know there's somewhere between 800,000 and a million people and just in the United States have died of suicide because of because of the lockdowns absolutely depressions up alcohol sales are up 300 percent. people are gaining weight more depression lowered immune systems and there's no talk about that it's like don't look at the sun hide out don't talk to people right um tell on your neighbor tattletale and it's like and if you're listening to this and you have dark skin you need 15 times more sunlight to boost your immune system so them putting you in a lockdown is, is a death sentence and that's why Af- like the African-American community is like, this whole thing is affecting us more. Well, yeah, it, it's like because you're not getting enough vitamin D, right? How come the homeless people aren't getting COVID? They're outside getting tons of vitamin D. So they have the bullets to shoot holes in the virus. Basically, I sit to- out. You're thousand percent right. Part of what they, you know, is I, I basically work outside all day long and sit in the sun. And that's comes from them when this whole started. They're like, we want you outside 24 seven. And I just have, and I have, you know, but you're a thousand percent right. And you say it in a much more articulate, beautiful way. So I love how you're speaking. And these are great, how exciting what you're doing. This is, this is really great because that's exactly what will save us is, 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 is creating new systems to bring everyone together, support life and clean the world and us as a community running it rather than, you know, look, the social contract has been broken and people have to start to really understand why is uh, Home Depot or not Home Depot, whatever, Amazon Essential and mom and pop is not? Why did liquor stores stay open, but churches were shut down? You know, this is insanity. What these people are just fucking people, but somehow they're running a train on all life. And we have the right to come together peacefully and say, no, thank you. And stop, you know, and, and create new systems to help and heal and grow. Yeah, and there's nothing nothing wrong with fighting fighting for what's right either. So the no. bottom line is is like the, the the big message and the takeaway from your crazy, amazing, wonderful story today <laughs> is you. that is that we're all equal, all life forms, we're all connected. And right. you know, in our practice over here, we look at things like all we're trying to do at chemicalfreebody.com is just teach people, give them awareness to these toxic chemicals these toxic microscopic invaders that are coming into us we can't see them they're microscopic and then we're breathing them in they're coming in through our toothpaste and our shampoos and and our our carpets off gassing the paints off gassing it's we're breathing it in we have to have awareness we have to stop putting it in do what we can to get it out and then flood the body with the nutrition that's missed because we are disconnected from nature the grocery store there's a major disconnection from what's in the grocery store and what nature actually makes. We've gotten so far away from picking food and eating food on the spot like a wild creature that, and that's it. So there's, there's actually, you go over to China, there's places where you can go to China and they, they help people heal. And all they do is they send them out in the forest. They just send that's them out amazing. back into nature and reconnect them to nature. That's it. Turn off the cell phone, do a technology fast, go out in nature and be quiet and be still and look at nature and get the, you know, get that clean, fresh air and get those, those, right. those, those electrons that are, that are pervasive out there. And the, ne- the negative ions that are cleaning the air, the, right. forest, the forest and the beaches have the highest amount of negative ions that clean and charge the air. 
wonderful stuff, right? So we, the, again, the big message here from you that I'm getting is we're all connected. Yep. We really need to love each other, right? We like have in the to. 60s and 70s. And but, get motivated. Right. And at the same time, it's like we have to realize that it's, we are nature. Okay. That's it. We are nature. And every time that we allow, um, and then we're purchasing plastic bottle or whatever, um, then guess what? We are, we are basically part of drilling into the earth to get crude oil out because plastics come from crude oil. Now I'm a hypocrite because I drive a pickup and that takes diesel, right? So there's got, we have to come when we start building a, a bottoms up movement, we can start coming with solutions. We can start tapping into natural energy sources that we've had for a long time. And a lot of people just don't believe that's a I don't want to, I've got my diesel engine and I've got my, you know, the car that I, you know, I had when I was 16 and I'm in love with that car and it's got a V10 in it, you know, and it hauls ass and I want to put gas in it. You know what I mean? But wouldn't it be cool if you had an engine in there that just took energy from the atmosphere anywhere you go and powered your car and, and there was no emissions and, and it was quiet and, and you didn't have to pay, you'd have to stop and get gasoline. You didn't have to stop and get diesel. You just got in the car and off you go. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? That's possible, but people have to change their belief systems. Yeah, and it's hard to change belief systems. Well, it's easy, but usually people's belief system change when they have to. Right? They get put in a position. That's when they get stage four cancer. They try all these routes. It doesn't work. We get a lot of those people. Then they come over. Okay, nothing's working. Okay, I'll try eating sprouts. Right. Well, so, well, how come you didn't plug into that in the first place? Because of the indoctrination and the belief system. So that's totally thousand percent right. Christopher, I really appreciate you coming on today. It was a fun, My exciting, the, the journey, the story um, from your, your pathway from addiction. And now you're one of the most caring, loving individuals I've ever met in my life. The frequency uh, of love comes you. through clear on the phone. It's coming through on the Zoom call and this podcast recording. And, and I know that you love everybody out there that's listening. So why don't you just leave I them do. with, a, with, a, with a Christopher's message to the world? There is a creator of the universe that, that is alive and conscious. And there are a beautiful family of light that are with you right now, spirit. And we never die, only form changes. And there is amazing, exciting journey and hope-filled lives uh, for us all with this connection and, and, and beyond. And uh, get out in the sun every day, be a childlike wonder, be open-hearted. Even if you think everything I said is not true, reach out to them at night, see for yourself, um, focus on connecting with people and love and nature. If you ever feel scared, go into nature. Nature never changes. That constant music is always there of peace and connection. Um, things exist for the betterment of all life beyond what we know. And if we stay open and we reach out and willing to be a student, anything is possible. Awesome, brother. Awesome. So how do people, what's the best place for people to reach you, see some of your videos, your photos? Yeah, uh, I have a podcast on Podbean called The Return of God and Angels. So it's Podbean, The Recur Return of God and Angels on Podbean. And I have a book on Selfie.com. I think it's S-E-L-L-F-Y.com. The page is called The True Natural World. And, and there's a book there, a picture book called the return of God and angels as well. And I have pictures of angels and beings of light and UFOs and, and really a cool story about them and where we are and what's going on. And I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, I, I wish forget my YouTube channel. I think it's alien U S government UFO capital a 
uh, capital U.S. and capital G, and then everything else is lowercase. So alien U.S. government UFO on YouTube. If you can't find it because I've been deplatformed a couple times for showing pictures of God and, and saying that they're angels and saying why they're here and what people need to do to have an actual physical relationship with them and not talking Bible stuff or whatever. And I got deep platform. I got three strikes and they are angelic creator family after YouTube deplatformed my channel, put me back on YouTube and it's been off ever since. And what's funny story is the last thing I'll tell you is YouTube deplatformed. They just gave me three strikes out of the blue, like no explanation. And I'm just going like, Hey, go out at night, talk, connect with nature. They're real. Just see for yourself. Don't believe me. Don't believe a word I'm saying. See for yourself. Just do this. My life is meant to be a pathway for people to have a physical relationship with their creator in a real way. And that's all I was saying. And, and I got deplatformed. So what happened was the real story is they YouTube deplatforms me. I'm like, I can't upload videos. I'm just done. I'm like, fuck, man, this is, this is shit. Fuck. I'm like, okay, what else can I do? So I look for other sites. I find daily motion. So, oh, cool. Daily motion is kind of like YouTube, not as big. I start a site there. Two days later, I go to Daily Motion. I put up one video of orbs flying all around me and a couple of UFOs and just really cool stuff. I didn't say anything crazy. So I go to Daily Motion on my phone and the whole page of Daily Motion on the phone is white. There's not even an icon. It won't even link to the page. It's just pulsing on the screen. Like there's nothing, it's gone. And I'm like, what happened? And I go to my wife's laptop. That's not even connected to my phone. I go punch in Daily Motion Danny, to see if you can get there, same thing, completely gone. Like there's daily motion, there's no icon, it's gone. My channel's gone, yet all the other videos are there and all the other, but there's no icon when I try to go to my thing, it's gone. And my screen is a white screen. There's nothing, it's just pulsing like a signal looking for something. And I emailed them, I'm like, what's going on? And, and they're like, you know, we're fine. The site's fine. I, I don't know what you're talking about. So I got deep, and then I got deplatformed from them you know basically a message a couple of days later saying sorry we can't you know it's just whatever we can't put the it was like the weirdest thing and so then i then that's when they my guys said don't worry we're going to get you back on youtube and then all of a sudden a couple of days later i tried to upload a video and it went up and, I'm, and i've been up ever since they got me back so it's <laughs> that's really so, there's cool. yeah it's a crazy story so if you've been the if you've been deplatformed on youtube go outside every evening for 20 minutes Give them, yeah. the pro give them the protocol and then maybe you can get the angels will put you back. Well, you got to have a friendship with them over the, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of years, but they'll do that and more. That's cool. So you just right. basically, if somebody wants to do that, they just go outside and what's the protocol. It's starting a friendship. That's really what it's about is, is the friend. It's about friendship. You know, they don't want to make contact with anybody who's not will see it's, it's not just about seeing UFOs. Oh, that's cool. It's, or beings of light. They want, they know what's in your mind before, you know, they know it's mm. in your heart before, you know, so they want to make contact with people who want to have a friendship, want to have love for them as much as they, they have love for us who are then going to do things in their life to better the world and to speak out for everything that comes from them. Doesn't have to be like a religious rant, but like what you're doing or speak to somebody at a grocery store, hey, you should really do research on the shots. It's killing a lot of people. Or, hey, critical race theory is really about teaching racism under the guise of this other, th you know, whatever. They want people who are going to be stand up against tyranny. If you're that person, 
If you're that person, then all you have to do is go out at night. You don't have to believe me. Go out on a clear night and go, I want, I, are you guys there? If you are, I'm not sure if Christopher's telling the truth or not, but I would like to get to know you. Have an open heart and have a sort of a childlike wonder about your spirit. Doesn't have to be overly so. And then just do that. And, and it might not happen right away. It might not even happen for two weeks. Just keep doing it every night for maybe 20 minutes, 40 minutes, but eventually it will happen. And then when that does, they'll do a shooting star. Like, I'll go, like, hey, are you real shooting star? And you'll go, wow. Or flashes of light, flash, flash, flash. Then you'll go out the, the next night, they'll do it. And then every night they'll start to do it more and more. And then it'll become a dialogue. Where, you, where they use things from nature as setting up a basic communication, a language with you so that you can get to know each other. And then, and then you keep asking them questions. And if you follow it, it'll grow more and more. And then beings of light will start to appear around you and orbs. And then you'll start to kind of learn this new culture, which is the true natural world, our true culture of where we come from, our true language, a true physicality, light and consciousness has more physicality than steel or a jet airplane. That is the true physicality. The true natural world is the world just beyond human eyesight. Human eyes see just a portion of the light spectrum, just a tiny portion. There's this whole world that exists all around us that we can't even see. That's how you do it. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Christopher, for coming on. Thank you. And, and health heroes around the world, thank you so much for tuning in. I know that you guys are a lot more um enlightened than most people out there that's why you're listening to this channel and um you know a lot of our channel is about you know gut health and getting healthy and toxins but you know it's it's kind of evolving now i might even want to start changing the whole thing because it's like it's it's so much bigger than just getting you know healing on the physical level it's the emotional the mental and the spiritual we're we literally are what i'm about now is like helping everybody to raise their consciousness together. And as we raise that vibrational frequency, that's where true change is coming from. And yes. um, I want to, again, thank you for your time today. And I hope you guys will share this episode. Um, in the beginning, I thought, well, this might be a little bit too in other people's minds, woo woo, but I thought, you know, what the right. hell it's my show. I can do whatever I want anyway, but um, I, I, cause I don't care about ratings. I don't care about any of that kind of stuff. I mean, that all will take place, whatever, on its own. I, I really don't care. I just want to bring really good content to you guys out there. And I hope that there's something here. Like the big message for me, and it's like, no matter what you said, is the vibrational frequency that I got from you about loving each other and and, and, and doing something to, to, to protect nature, which is us, right? So if you want to be a selfish person, you know, go out and plant a tree and you'd be surprised how good you feel or you know, I, dude, it's crazy. Now I'm thinking about, it's like when I would go on walks with the dogs and I moved into the city for a while, um, yeah. after a rain, there was all these earthworms. I couldn't even hardly walk around picking them all up and throwing them into the grass and dirt because it's like, I right. don't want them to get run over. I'm like, right. They're, they're precious commodity. I mean, we're all connected. So yeah. anyway, so that's it until next time, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again real soon. Thanks for listening again to the health hero show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>